Hey folks, this is Frank here, just to let you know this is a full spoilers podcast and we're going to be doing some cursing. Enjoy! In her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, author Marie Kondo posits that, in order to create a more serene and comfortable living space, we should discard any possessions that do not spark joy in us. What Kondo does not account for is the feeling that maybe, just maybe, we spark joy in our possessions. That our things have feelings, and when we discard them, we discard their love. Could it be that the Mr. Coffee that sustained us through so many all-night study sessions in college yearns for the attention we gave it before we purchased a Keurig? Does the hot plate envy the Viking range? Have we no sense of loyalty that we can simply trade in the trusty Motorola Razor for an iPhone? Is our willingness to drop off our collection of video cassettes at a goodwill a measure of our faithlessness? What of the Dustbuster, the blender, the turntable? What of the PlayStation 2, the electric carving knife, and the tube TV? What of the toaster? What of the toaster? In the future, this is where our theme song will go. Welcome to The Revisitors, a podcast on which I, Diego Hernandez, and my friend, Frank Anderson, cast off the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia to view the beloved films of our collective youth through the unsmudged lens of adulthood. Hey, Diego. Hey, Frank. How's it going, man? Pretty good. How about you? Episode number two. Number dos. The Brave Little Toaster. BLT, baby. BLT! BLT! I love that. I was, um, I was, uh, when I was writing my notes for this, I decided to start abbreviating the title because, Jesus, Brave Little Toaster over and over got a little tedious. And then I was like, oh, BLT. I was like, dang, I love that. Diego, what is your history with this film? Big childhood film of mine. L- grew up watching this and the second and third movies. Absolutely love this movie when I was a child. And I um I kind of like it now, too. Hmm. How about you? What's your history with this movie? Oh, I definitely right? saw it multiple times as a child. And re- remember liking it quite a bit because it was a movie and a cartoon. Yep. <laughs> but watching it on this last viewing... I had completely forgotten that it was a musical. Yeah, And there same. are several musical numbers, that, none of which are particularly memorable to me, I think, <laughs> which is why I didn't remember it was a musical. I also forgot it was a musical, but I, I do like some of the songs in it. But also, I, even though I don't remember it well, I think I certainly was traumatized by it, because as an adult, I think my things have feelings and I have a hard time throwing anything away. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could see that. Specifically appliances. Mm-hmm. I know there was a specific scene, which we'll get to, that definitely lives in my memories to this day. Mm. <laughs> well, should we start down the road to that scene right now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's talk about this movie. So, we open in a quiet country house, which we come to understand is a cottage. Yes. This house is... Not occupied, seemingly. <laughs> then a radio alarm sounds. And wouldn't you know that that radio alarm 
is told to be quiet by a lamp. It is an anthropomorphic lamp. And, wouldn't you know it, it's also an anthropomorphic radio. This radio basically only has one voice on every station. Yep. Some good songs. The voice, the voice of John Lovitz. Yep. Which didn't realize until I was looking through the notes for the cast. I was like, oh, he's a great guy. Can't believe I missed this. Well, we come to find out, not only are this radio and this lamp alive, so are the blanket, the electric blanket. Yep. That's important. Because the regular blanket isn't because it's not an appliance. Right. Obviously. An air conditioner, the vacuum, and one delightful little toaster. No way. So, they all wake up. Uh, the toaster rides the broom to the ground, so because it's okay to do this to brooms <laughs> because brooms are not appliances. Yep. And they all set to work. Doing chores. Doing chores. Though, Blanky has a few gripes. For he does not like doing work without the master. <laughs> Which um, I forgot about, honestly, yes, uh, how many times they call uh, Rob, is the boy's name, master. Not the parents. The child. They make frequent references to someone they call the master, who is set to return. Um, this is why they must prepare the house for the master's return at all times. You work every day. Prepare the way of the Lord, as they would say <laughs> in, in Godspell. Which we have a, a timeline, actually. Because the vacuum cleaner, Kirby, states they're going to do chores that they've done every single day for the past 2,000 days. He says 2,000 days. He says 2,000 oh, days, which man. is about five and a half years. I did not catch that. That is rough. I was watching the movie, and I was like, wow, 2,000 days? Which, again, 5.5 years. But you have to do it every day, lest that day be the day the master returns. Exactly, exactly. And you do not want to face his wrath <laughs> if the house is not clean. Of a child. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there is a, a brief work stoppage led by Blanky. Yep. Uh, which Toaster proposes they play a game in which they clean the house and do not stop until it is clean. Uh, Toaster seems to be a true believer in the master. He is the the one leading them. Blanky is kind of the... He's a child. He almost seems like a prophetic child. He's the one that uh, announces when cars can be heard and they must go watch for the master's car. It is a little unclear to me that why the job of cleaning the house is anybody's job except for the vacuum, who is named Kirby. Uh, the other characters are named... Radio, Lampy, Blanky, Blanky, and Toaster. Yes. Which, or Slothead, as Radio likes to call it. Oh, that's racist. (laughs) I thought about that. I was like, huh, is that like a a, a bad word for Toasters? But I mean, Radio and Toaster seem to be, you know, on good terms. Sure. So So Radio's got a bit of, like, he's a wiseacre. Yep. Lampy is... He's kind of like an average Joe, kind of a schlubby, I would say. It's like a lamp. Like, he sometimes will... Yes, uh, feel <laughs> he like, is like a lamp. <laughs> he is like a lamp. He is a lamp. But uh, he will have these bright moments sometimes. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, all right. <laughs> We're done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Kirby uh, rages inside. Yes. And he is voiced by the great Thurl Ravenscroft of Tony the Tiger and You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Yes. Absolutely Wonderful bass voice. So so good. Really cool last name. Ravenscroft? Yeah. Thurl's not bad either. Well, see, yeah, all together. Be like Lord Ravenscroft. Mm. 
Right. It becomes clear that they've been abandoned to the house, and they do, but they do set to cleaning. Yep. Lest the master come home while they dance to Tutti Frutti, uh, played through radio. Radio can do different voices when he's playing music. Mm. When the music kind of issues through him, uh, but all of his all of his like talk radio voices are exactly the same. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> that is John Lovitz doing an old timey radio voice. <laughs> and even Kirby joins in on the dancing a little yeah. bit too. Like so, Kirby. I think we could say is kind of soft. Well, I did say he rages inside, which is true. Like, he is an angry guy. But he's got a soft side as well. He does. And he does not care to be alone. So they are toiling in secrecy every day, day in and day out, like a fucking doomsday cult waiting for this, uh, the return of the master. I can't remember why. I just have a note here that Blakey cries like a little bitch. Oh. Uh, uh, that's rude for me to say. But why does he? Why does he start end up crying in this first scene? I should have taken more thorough notes. Um. So he starts crying after. So Blanky hears the car coming. Um. So they get him up to the attic and yes. that, and they have this really actually creepy like scene. Blanky has the ears of a dog for some reason. He can hear cars coming from miles away, which I would think the radio would be better suited to hearing a car. You would coming. think so, yes. But. I'm, I'm not an expert on appliances. I think it's because of Blanky's kind of childlike innocence that he gets excited for the... Maybe. But he hears... The, oh, sorry, they, uh, they hear the blankets. Blanky is the prophet that was promised. Ah, <laughs> I don't know about that. But <laughs> he hears the blanket and they get him up... To, he, sorry. Uh, he hears the car and they build this kind of makeshift ladder with stuff and themselves to get Blanky to the attic. Mm-hmm. And they think it's the master coming back after all this time. And then... Blanky has this trance-like vision where he believes so hard that it is the master that they have a scene where Blanky's floating down a much more like lustrous staircase, mm-hmm. like like mar like a marble staircase right. with Which vases. He has and... never seen. <laughs> no, no, and and as uh, the master runs through the door to embrace Blanky, but it's not until the car passes through and leaves the area. That Blanky comes back to reality that that is not, in fact, the master. Um, and that's why he kind of starts crying um, after he comes down. Because, of course, Lampy right. is like, why Kirby, is he sad? Kirby scolds Blanky for... <laughs> he's so mean! ...for crying. Probably because he's just kind of embarrassed for Blanky. Like he... I think Kirby's kind of coming to the realization that the master yes. is not coming. A doubting back. Thomas amongst them. Yeah. They're so mean to Blanky. Mostly Kirby right. at this point. But... but you know who's mean to them all is this goddamn air conditioner. <laughs> well, Voiced by the great Phil Harbin. Blanky has the picture of the master too. Oh, yes. And then they argue over that because Kirby tries to suck it up and ends up shattering the framing glass. Kirby. Um, and it's after them fighting that a winter storm blows through the cottage, which is the air conditioner. Yes. And the air conditioner laughs in all their faces, saying the master shall never return. That they are toiling every day. And I, I must say toiling, because it seems like a daily toil. <laughs> um, he laughs in their faces, saying that they're all fools to await the return of the master that will never come. Played by the great Phil Hartman. Yes, voiced by Phil Hartman. Rest in peace. The combination of Phil Hartman's voice and John Lovitz's voice... Really made me just want to watch old episodes of The Simpsons, as Phil Hartman was, of course, Troy Donahue, and a number of characters on The yep. Simpsons, and John Lovitz was Marge's ex-flame Artie Ziff. Yep. 
<laughs> Kirby levels some kind of threat at the air conditioner. Uh, they're telling him to you know, hush up. And uh, you're just mad because the, the you're stuck in the wall. The air conditioner says, "What are you gonna do? Suck me to death?" <laughs> <laughs> Good one, AC. Yeah. <laughs> Which also, that speaks to the insane sexual tension between the vacuum and the air conditioning unit. It's kind of a will-they-won't-they situation, I think. But it's their religious beliefs that are going to get in the way. This is probably why Kirby is starting to doubt the return of the Master. Because privately, he's been having liaisons with air conditioner. Now, the movie's not intrinsically religious. But um, the author is known for having a lot of religious undertones in his works. Sure. Just because he grew up going to a lot of Catholic schools and being involved in the Catholic faith. So he himself was an atheist, but due to his upbringing and experiences, a lot of his writings tend to have it the It feels undertones. religious in the way that Toy Story does, in that you have these what would be inanimate objects that are living, that have kind of a godlike worship of the, the, the boy that plays with them, which makes more sense with toys in a general sense. Yeah. Toy Story is a story of a a man dealing with being rejected by God, basically. (laughs) Well, it might also make sense because, you know, they share screenwriters. Joe, I rant, rant? Who also did Cars before his untimely Mm. demise as well. He likes an animated inanimate object. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, the air conditioner is a real dick. And the toaster and the others say that air conditioner is just jealous because the master had never played with him. Yep. Which is a real blow because the air conditioner gets furious. The air conditioner is so angry that he malfunctions. Yep. Blows a fuse. Yeah, and that's it. They they make reference to having a couple fuses lying around or maybe just one left. And they are not going to spend that on air conditioner. Nope. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I like the air conditioner. He was a healthy dose of truth. Yeah. Soon after a car does arrive, someone steps out and puts a for sale sign on the lawn confirming their worst fears. They're being sold. Yes. It's a pretty good scene. Sold with the house. Yes. I didn't understand until this point that it was a cottage that just the family had not been visiting rather than like a home, an abandoned home. Right. (laughs) It was a pretty good scene where each, each stroke of the hammer down to... You know, reflected on them. They yes. see the shadow coming, the sign. The horror. Yeah. It was, it was, I thought it was well done. It seems their fate is sealed and they shall never see the master again. And Toast- then Toaster, who is the believer, but like many believers, needs followers to <laughs> confirm his faith, uh, proposes that they set out on a quest to find the master. The, I don't think the movie's that overtly religious, but sure, it's your opinions. <laughs> The only holdout is Kirby, who suggests that they stay at the house and they'll be adopted by a new master, which actually is pretty sensible. But exactly. perhaps this new master would not uh, be the weirdest child in the world who likes to play with the toaster. And... It was the 70s. I mean, but... 70s kids didn't have that much to... Not like we do. I think they had kids. books or like G.I. Joe's or something. Well, maybe he didn't. Well, I mean, they, they made enough to have a cottage. So... Sure. Hmm. We don't. I don't know their family's financial situation, I guess. So, uh, Kirby is a holdout, but he reluctantly agrees. Uh, they plug in the last fuse 
they kind of rig up Kirby. They try several failed ideas at how they're going to be traveling cross-country, most of which involve Kirby pulling them. Yeah, um, being like a mattress on wheels, which Kirby pushes them. A pogo stick, which... <laughs> and this is where we run into some flaws. Like Kirby does not seem to be able to move without being plugged in, whereas yeah. Toaster and the others can move about at will without being plugged in. But they can't use their appliance powers, like the thing. Yes and no. Like Lampy can can't turn on his light. That's in almost all scenes. If his light is on, he's plugged in. Blanky, he never warms. Um, Radio just is radios all the time. I think. But toaster, there's a scene. There's multiple scenes, but there's one in particular we'll get to where he starts smoking, but he's not. Well, maybe he's plugged in. No. (laughs) Maybe maybe he said that maybe he was plugged in. I think he was. Never mind. He just wants to make toast again. He's, he loves making toast for the master. <laughs> so after a montage of bad ideas, they eventually rig Kirby up to a car battery. Lampy has a lot of ba- Most of these bad ideas were Lampy's. The right. pogo stick, the fridge on skateboards, which in this case, the refrigerator isn't alive. Weird. Yeah, so, you know, a fridge might break down over... Uh... But then if they think, if you think about it, they were riding in this machine's, like, corpse. If it, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm. kind of messed up, huh? Because there's a scene later where there is a refrigerator. Did they kill the fridge to save, to save on fuses for themselves? I don't know, but... Fridge I, is using energy all the time. It seems a little <laughs> sus to me if you, if, if you want to know. They do a fun magic carpet or it might scene. make sense if they were leaving the cottage for five years that they would have un- unplugged the refrigerator. Yeah, but the refrigerator should still work because... They all still move around, technically, for the most part. And I was talking with someone else while I watched the movie, and the, we thought the idea was Kirby can be alive without C without a power source, mm-hmm. but he requires, like, the suction to pull forward. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my idea of why it works. Um, there was a fun magic carpet scene uh, where Radio tries to make Blanky a magic carpet. Oh, sure. That was fun. That was really yeah. not a really fun scene. So anyway, they hop up on a desk chair that Kirby pulls using that battery, and up they go. The journey begins. Yep. The uh, radio reveals that he can work as a navigator as he can tune into a radio station that will follow that signal Yep. as it gets stronger. I do like how easily uh, Kirby rolls across this perfectly trimmed even land and car and uh, carpet. I should, they grass. would never have abandoned that vacuum. He is a beast. <laughs> he can, that he vacuums amazing. He vacuums thorn like thorn bushes. Well, because of that shag setting. Yeah, he switches to that's a that's an amazing vacuum cleaner. At the same time, it would he'd probably fuck up your carpet pretty bad. Yeah, with how powerful. <laughs> yeah, maybe that batteries just juicing him up that much. But I also like when you roll a desk chair across even carpet. It's not always the easiest thing. No. But they're rolling this chair over hills and grass, and it never, like, tips over. It never snags. No. That's an amazing desk chair, too. No, you wouldn't leave that at that house, either. Mm-hmm. It's too good. We should touch on here that these appliances are supposedly beloved of their their master, who was a child when he was routinely visiting the cabin. Yeah. Which I just don't buy. I could see... A child-loving radio, if that was their first radio they ever had, maybe. And definitely blanky. But I don't see a child having great affection for a vacuum or a toaster. 
lamp would be kind of on the edge, I would say. And I, I'll tell you what, as an adult, that air conditioning unit would be most beloved of me. Of me. Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. My AC. Heck, my vacuum cleaner right there. I love that thing. The thing's amazing. I'm mm. not leaving that behind. Sure. I'll leave one of these lamps behind before I leave that behind. Mm. I have four air conditioning units right now. <laughs> and I love them all as, as my sons. <laughs> in fact, I think one of them is... Three of them are in storage right now. They're probably, they're probably missing me. They might come on a journey to find but you. They can't. Air conditioners are not mobile appliances. Oh, right. Yeah. That's just their design. Yeah. <laughs> so, we get our first musical sequence, The City of Light. I would sing it for you, except I don't remember how it goes at all. I don't know if you're allowed to sing more than 15 seconds. And, uh, yeah, we uh, don't know what the rules are about that. We'll learn them, eventually. It was, uh, they're singing, like, you know, how great the master is. They're, they're in the cult of the master. Uh, I don't know about that. They're appliances. <laughs> they're built to love and serve, and they want to be used. Jesus Christ. No, that's what I was kind of reading yeah. um, when I was doing some, like, reading into the book it's based off of, is the author was thinking, you know, what if there's a story about appliances that just, you know, they were created, they want, they Toaster wants toast made, Kirby likes to vacuum, mm. which I would think that Kirby would form more of an attachment to maybe one of the parents who'd be vacuuming. Um, it's a fun song, it's, it's lighthearted, it's, there, it kind of shows how naive they are about the real world. Sure. And, um, what they're going to run into on their journey. My least <laughs> city, favorite song. The city is a toaster's paradise. <laughs> um, which by the toaster is very shiny. Oh yeah, incredibly shiny. Um, I think it's important to him that he keeps it, like it's 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 pride and joy because yeah. there's a previous scene where he dreams of the master making a piece of toast with I believe jam, mm-hmm. chewing it up and doing a disgusting like. gross but toaster revels in that memory i think toaster is confusing the child's love of toast for the love (laughs) of the toaster uh you know i'll give you that one i I will say city of lights a fun song it's my least favorite song in the movie though so they find themselves moving through a briar patch yeah uh, thorn bushes but again kirby is able to just mow through it with his shag setting yeah he's insane this is an insane vacuum i would never this vacuum cleaner has been vac- my vacuum cleaner for life turns out radio has kind of led them astray though they, they come to a clearing where they can sleep blanky makes to kind of snuggle up with toaster he's a blanket he's a blanket he yeah. wants to this is his raison d'etre yeah <laughs> fancy <laughs> um toaster is not having it no, well, Toaster's not having it. Radio has a circle around him that no one's allowed to cross. Right. Uh, Kirby he, and Lamp, no no one wants to sleep with Nobody's Lamp. trying to snuggle with Kirby. I mean, that's just that's just a non-starter. Well, that's true. He's, he's, old, he's, he's gruff. He's gruff, yeah. But, of course, Blanky then goes to sleep by himself because... And, of course, he's mourning the death of his romantic relationship with the AC unit. I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The next morning, they set out again. Blanky is very briefly stuck in a thorn bush and cries, Don't leave me! <laughs> and they don't. And that's it. That whole situation is resolved in an instant. Yep. <laughs> again, amazing desk chair just going through this, like these brambles. For the uninitiated, the desk chair is not animate. No. No. Because it's not electric. So electricity seems to be Mostly. the common element in the anthropomorphized But a battery items. is not. Because they're using a car battery. Oh, Yeah. So a battery inherently is not living. The source of power is not living. No. I guess like a heart. Sure. Which is weird. 
Because in a later scene, we find cars are actually alive. Right, but cars have electronic Yeah, because they're battery. But how do we accept that they you're using, like, a car's heart to power themselves? It's weird, right? Sure, we'll transplant. But it's... They're machines, It's not too. a one-for-one. One. They're not truly... They're not organic, though. They're machines, so it's a different... Different, sure. different way of life. So they're leaving the bramble bush, finally. And they happen upon a beautiful meadow where birds and animals sing another song together. It becomes kind of it's a... It's a City of Light song, still. Yeah, well, it becomes a Busby Berkeley, Esther Williams yeah. musical number. There's some choreographed swimming. Some mice try to eat Blanky. Yeah. And the photo of the master... Which he jealously defends. I like the, like, he takes the photo and he's like, bad, and hits the mouse so perfectly on the head with the, this mm. picture. It was funny. Sure. And a delightful worm is almost eaten by a bird, but escapes to the water. I don't know what happens to him. The worm is picked up by the bird, but the fish jumps up and steals the worm from the bird, while the frogs are all in the water doing a wonderful choreograph, aquatic number. Mm-hmm. While the fish who wants his uh, de- musical debut as an opera singer. Oh, yeah. And uses the worm as a microphone as it falls into the water perfectly in the circle created by the frogs. Right. I don't understand this scene. In Esther Williams style. Yeah, well, yeah. But the toaster's getting kind of annoyed because squirrels and frogs are like, Hey, look at me in the picture. Look at me in my reflection. And he runs away. So when um, the toaster runs away from the other animals... He gets into this little um, small clearing with a flower, a yellow flower, that falls in love with its reflection in Toaster's chrome. Um, Which in the book, by the way, the flower speaks in like poetry rhythms. Very interesting, because in the book, the flower wanted them to pluck it from the ground and bring it with them because it was so in love with uh, the reflection in Toaster. Oh, so it's like a, basically, Narcissus. Yeah. Okay. But the flower in the movie wants to go with it because it thinks there's another flower. And Toaster oh, runs away. Okay. Um, and Toaster runs away, which, when I was looking at this, some people akin the yellow flower to how they treat Blanky. And how when Toaster looks back at the flower after running away from it, it's pretty much dying. It's wilted away. Hmm. And so some people theorize if Toaster's not nicer to Blanky, which is also yellow, also give up and wilt away sure <laughs> but it's a sad flower scene uh, they leave the meadow they leave the meadow uh, largely without incident yeah the animals say bye thanks yeah. for coming come back this all lasts five minutes maybe which there's actually 20 minutes of deleted scenes that have never been released to the public of mm. this movie so I wonder. Is it a Song of the South situation? I we don't know. It's um when the movie was being created because of funding. Part of it, part of the time, it was sent to Taiwan to work be worked on, mm. and then part time in L.A. Well, Hollywood, and they said the movie had to be X amount of minutes long, and they cut twenty minutes, and no one's ever seen. Sure. So I wonder if there's more of a scene. So they entered now a a dark forest. And they are concerned that the battery is losing power. Mm-hmm. And now Toaster, after this yellow flower incident that I'd forgotten about, uh, <laughs> is ready to snuggle Blanket. Which Blanky's nice enough to create a little tent for them. And Lamp says it's weird that Toaster is now being nice to Blanket. Which, is like... <laughs> which I thought Toaster was being pretty nice to Blanky in the first scenes of the movie. Right. And they have a weird conversation of trying to like 
they have a weird conversation trying to compare that good feeling that Toaster has with how Lamp understands a good feeling. Because hmm. they, they have some communication issues. I think Lamp is jealous of Blanket. Yeah. Blanky, that Toaster is choosing to snuggle Blanky. I just think... This is another example of the <laughs> sexual jealousy between these characters. <laughs> I just think that Lampy is not as bright as he wants to be. No. I would say Lamp <laughs> is a bit dim. <laughs> uh, uh, jolly good. Okay. <laughs> so Lamp recalls the first time Master changed his light bulb as a great act of love. Mm-hmm. Toaster dreams of making toast to the Master... It's a dream that starts happy and turns into a nightmare in which he starts a fire and a horrifying clown firefighter arrives to put out the fire and chases Toaster with the hose. I suppose a hose would be like the ultimate enemy of This scene is the, the one that lived with me to this day that I clearly remembered as from a child. I did not remember this. I must have blocked it out. Because the clown in its firefighter gear, through its teeth, says run. And, then, and I would have done that. That's what I would have done. I would have done it too. And then the water from the hose becomes forks. Because <sighs> forks and a toaster, water, mortal enemies of a, of a living toaster. Well, yeah, but when you put a fork in a toaster, that's what it uses to kill you, right? That... I would think it shorts out the toaster too. Oh, okay. I don't, I'm not a toaster expert, especially from the Look, 60s. I myself have stuck a fork in a toaster just to like get that <laughs> waffle out of there if it's giving Same. me trouble. But. Actually, my regular move is just to push the toast back down. Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you call the thing that you push down when you're making lever? toast? Is it a lever? lever? Push the lever down. And then I just crank it up real, like, <laughs> real fast to like, kind of launch my toast or oh, okay. waffle out. I'll jiggle it. I'll push it down and kind of shake it a little bit, try and pop it back up. Sure. Same, same, same concept. Mm-hmm. Do you think toasters like that? I can't imagine they do. No. God, we're mean. So... This dream happens. Toaster's afraid. I think he's afraid of failure. Yes. And while they are sleeping, a storm arises and blows Blanky away into the night. And a search begins. But the battery has died. And so Lamp kind of jerry-rigs himself to the battery. And in a noble act of self-sacrifice, allows himself to be struck by lightning which luckily manages to recharge the battery. Realistically, I don't, if he, did that, he did that on purpose, or he accidentally <laughs> did it in the course of attempting suicide. I think he meant to do it. Okay, I think but so. realistically, that battery would explode. And this is kind of the first of our a few acts of noble self-sacrifice. Yes, the battery's recharged, and unfortunately, lamps bulb, bulb is. is broken. Which, by the way, also you would not leave that battery behind because it can take the charge of a lightning bolt. Oh, yeah. I, if you try doing that in real life, that battery is like blowing up. I should think so. <laughs> the next morning, they search for Blanky. Uh, Lampy is now kind of sickly. Yeah. And they find Blanky stuck in a tree. Kirby, who is incredible, uses his cord to kind of rappel up to grab him. That cord's got to be at least 100 feet uh, plus in length. Yes. And can support the entire weight of a vacuum cleaner. Of a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. We all need a Kirby. And next they come to a canyon. Uh, Kirby accidentally swallows his own cord and goes unconscious, yeah. which is a weird... He panics because of the water. It, I oh. think he's kind of reached his breaking point. Right. Because think, Kirby may be gruff, but he's kind of been like the rock. <laughs> Game over, man! <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, um, which radio says uh, a line to... 
toaster to try and get Kirby back about large, like something about lar large sweeping motions, which is actually a, one of the main, a line from the book. Because there's only a few lines from the book that's actually directly in the movie. Mm. And that's one of them, is what Radio says, which I unfortunately didn't write down the exact quotes. Uh, toaster revives Kirby, and Kirby, but Kirby is mad. Yep. He tells everyone off and says, I'll be better off without you. And turns to Blanky and says, especially you, you little rag. They're so mean. Blanky doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I don't like Blanky, uh, to be honest. It's like a child, though. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that's all fine. Just, they're so mean. Uh, nonetheless, Kirby stays with him because deep down he fears being alone. Yeah, he likes them. Yeah. And naturally, they need him to cross a cross the canyon. Yeah, over the river. He does all the legwork for them. It's I can see why he's so upset all the time. They really do take him for granted that he is going to uh, pull them around and rescue them from trees and and use his cord to cross canyons <laughs> over raging rivers. Which Toaster ends up flubbing this one because he remembers back to his Toaster dream. beefs it. Yeah, because he sees the water, uh, the drop, kind of like his dream. Mm. So he freaks out, which that's when he starts uh, fuming with the black smoke. Like he's burning toast. Yeah. Because he's freaking out. He's not confident mm. in himself. And unfortunately, an accident happens. Everyone falls into the water, the chasm. Except for Kirby. Except for Kirby, who contemplates everything. He thinks he's going to ride off. But nope, jumps in right after to save them. Radio, for some reason, quotes Moby Dick. I love there. that. That was a great scene. And he says, uh, from the depths of hell I stab at thee. <laughs> I think the actual line is, from hell's heart I stab at thee. I don't remember why he does that. And Kirby just says, get on. Yeah. <laughs> Which Kirby saves him because he inflates his bag. And this is where I have the note, Kirby is really a hell of a vacuum. Yeah. W waterproof, obviously. The bag's yeah. waterproof. So <laughs> it's a great vacuum. But by now, they're in the swamp. Yep, and they and have to... the crew is starting to lose faith. And they have to pull Kirby because they lost the chair and battery. Yep, Kirby falls into a mud hole, and he sinks. And They all sink. At first he's sarcastic, kind of sarcastic about it, and then he starts pleading for help. It's haunting. <laughs> oh, the more haunting is that they all kind of... He drags the rest of them in with him as they're trying to save him. Yep. And Blanky, before going down, <laughs> says, I'm, I'm not, not scared. scared. <laughs> I wrote that too. I was like, geez, Blanky's really gone. Or I will be with the master. <laughs> I'm not scared. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> He's ready to die. Then they're, quote, saved. Deus ex machina. <laughs> by saved. a nerd. They're saved by a nerd with a monster truck. By the way, his name is Elmo St. Peter. A likely name. Who is played by Joe Ranth, one of the screenwriters. Uh, Elmo St. Peter is a junk collector who, again, drives a monster truck. Unrealistically. And he takes them to his junk store, where they must live in fear of being disassembled and having their parts used elsewhere. Horrific blender scene. They watch the grisly death of a blender. And uh, there's a hanging lamp there who is also voiced by Phil Hartman doing a Peter Laurie impression. Yeah, very cool. I love that. And there's a musical sequence called It's a B-Movie, which I remember a little bit better than the other songs, but not well enough to sing it. And soon enough, a customer comes into that store who needs a radio tube. Because the wife liked the blender motor so much, she wanted a radio tube. Some Frankenstein-like monster appliances here, too. Right, this is kind of equivalent to Sid's room, I would say. Yeah. 
because there is that scene where they talk about that lamp, can opener, razor combination. Mm. Who's a monster. Which, when certain appliances, like augmentations of appliances, make their debut, they're pulled up into the darkness of the ceiling with electrical cords. So they escape, Diego, they, they finally... Make it to the master's house. I don't... Are they still using the radio signal for that? I don't know. Well, so what happens is they... Uh, Elmo St. Peter has radio. Mm. They try to hide radio, but he finds him with his uh, antenna. And so as he's about to break radio open, the other appliances have an, crack an idea mm-hmm. to pretend to be a ghost and uses the reflection on Toaster to scare St. Peter with his own reflection, which is actually true to the book. Mm. And so... He ends up getting knocked out, and then the other appliances call a jailbreak to end their servitude to this master, uh, which is a very fun. For he's a cruel scene. master. Yes, who tears him apart. Not a kind and window. loving one. Nope. And so, which you think that there's a customer in the store, you think he would see this jailbreak of appliances moving on their own, hmm. which this is the scene because the refrigerator, who's alive in this shop, breaks down the door, like a battering ram. And all these appliances run away, which the dog also takes the monster truck and drives away. Wait, what? I did not remember this. I must have been fixing food or something <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. Um, they're like, the megaphone's like, jailbreak, jailbreak. And the dog's trying to hold back. It's like spread eagle in the door trying to hold it back, but can't. So the dog runs away, gets into the monster truck, puts a seatbelt on, because safety mm. first. And then dr- this dog drives oh, this in monster fear truck. Of, in fear of the appliances. Yep. And then the appliances just run Dogs off. hate vacuums. Yeah. Um, so then they take a buggy and they use that to roll their way then into the city. But remind me how they actually find the master's apartment. Yeah. So because, well, after the the buggy starts, they start going in the buggy that then we're introduced to the master, Mm. the teenage Rob Mm. and his girlfriend, Chris. Rob looks like a real guy from the late 80s with his 100% floppy hair (laughs) and big wire rim glasses. Yep. Because we introduced that they live in an apartment in the city, and Rob is going to the cottage to get some appliances, because he's going to college. Yeah. But they get to this house, and it's full of mean new appliances. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how they figure out the... I guess the, appliance, the old appliances must know his name or the family, because they look in a phone book. And they actually ask a, um, a traffic light. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. I believe it's either a traffic light, or it's just an, uh, a road lamp light. But it tells them to go this way for this address. And they go there and leave themselves in the buggy. Kind of like an abandoned baby outside a door. Sure. But they leave themselves in a buggy outside their the master's apartment. Mm-hmm. But we see in a previous scene that the old new appliances aren't necessarily happy that their master would rather have old appliances instead of them. Right. The new appliances are pretty sus. They have a less classic look about them. They look kind of shallow and... Definitely more 80s. We have consumery, consumer culture Because we have a giant like surround sound system. There's Plugsy, the purple eggplant lamp, the computer. Mm-hmm. And they're all mean. And especially the sewing machine, who is the sewing machine is two characters, two faced in one, and like talk shit about immigrants for some reason. Well, I think that's the idea because they're two faced. Because yeah. they're really nice. Because all the appliances have this super sussy smile, mm. the creepy like. Oh, happy to have you. And they, the next scene, they go back to the cabin. because Well, there's a musical sequence, right? Not yet. 
because they switch back and forth to the, the cabin. The song, The Cutting Edge, doesn't come first? Well, because bef- that comes after they go back to the cabin and see that the, it's trashed. Oh, sorry. When you say they, you mean we're talking about... Yeah, sorry. So re- let's rewind here. So <clears throat> the scene switches back a lot between the apartment and the cat cottage. And right before the next song, that's when Rob gets in there because he's excited to show Chris his childhood cottage and how okay. wonderful it is. And they find all the failed attempts at the other old appliances yeah. trashing the whole place. Ironically, the one day he does show up, <laughs> the not. house is a mess and they are not there. And then it's the song Cutting Edge, which okay. I really enjoyed. While he's at the cabin, Rob fixes the AC unit and pats it on the head. And we don't really see what happens after this, but I assume that the AC unit cries bitter tears. <laughs> because He was wrong. The, yes, the... Scales have fallen from his eyes, and now he has to live with this terrible truth that the master did return, mm-hmm. but not for him. No, and he is doomed to stay there by himself, <laughs> asking himself only, "Why? Why did he fix me just to leave me?" <laughs> it, it will be his his own words that will mock him <laughs> in his solitude, and he lacks the mobility it would require to end his own existence. It's. Oh his life is a is a living hell from now on. You should write um He is a working a working air conditioner with no one to cool. <laughs> but the song Cutting Edge, it's pretty much just saying how they're better than the old appliances. Which sorry, before that we meet TV before all that happens. Yes, TV is their old friend. He they move the TV back from the cottage to the So in the book, uh they find there are certain appliances that they bring with them and take back every at every end of summer or Ugh. Labor Day. Yeah, TV. like the TV. Yeah, that that big old black and white great black and white tube TV. Like cabinet TV. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It's heavy, and they take that back and forth every year. And so we meet TV, who's always if he's talking, it's always the one character. Yeah, kind of a portly this... mustachioed man. Yeah. Yeah. Because he tries to tell them and help them and say, the master is looking for you, but plugs the, the purple lamp switches the channel to Spanish. Ah. Which no one understands. Which no one understands. So Rob, the master, is saying, where is the toaster? Where's the lamp? Where's the blanket? As he asks whoever where each one of them are, they're actually pushed out the window in that same order into a dump truck by the mm-hmm. new appliances. Because they don't want to... Appliance on appliance crime. Yeah, because they don't want their master's love to be split. They just want the master for themselves. Mm. But then TV sees that the side of the dump truck is going to Ernie's disposal. A classic TV and movie dump where there's just piles (laughs) and piles of crushed cars and a a big old magnet that picks up cars and crushes them. So we're at the dump now. And the song Worthless happens. Blanky expresses that he is glad that the master has such nice new appliances now. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does do that. like Toaster is a, true, is a true believer in the master. I forgot about that. But then we, there's a lot of broken, derelict cars. Yes. Making up most of the And they sing junk, a song called Worthless. Which is, I like that song a lot. Yeah, it's actually, it sounded sad. like a meatloaf song to me. Really? Yeah. Meatloaf before meatloaf? What was meatloaf? What's the time frame for it? Well, no, Meatloaf would be like the late 70s through the oh. 90s, yeah. So, these cars are going 
mostly willingly to their death at the hands of the magnet. The magnet and its companion, the, the, the smasher. Compactor. Compactor, yeah. Compactor. Because sure. it has the eyes and the its teeth are the mm. thing smashing yes. them. Mm-hmm. And la- they're, they're worthless. They don't... Each car has its own history. Very low self-esteem. Yes, because some have been there for many, many years. There are... There's a surfer van car. There is... There's that duality between the two cars where one is a hearse and the other one brought someone to their wedding, which is one of the happiest days of one's mm-hmm. life. So Eros and Thanatos. <laughs> yes. I think that's actually the point, um, if I remember from the writing. But all these cars, yeah, they're the song's called Worthless. This is their story, but everyone ends here at the end. One of the trucks just drives himself onto this conveyor belt. No yep. help from the magnet needed. He's ready. Yep. Just like Blanky from um, the swamp earlier. I'm not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> but this compact, the magnet, not the compactor, the, the magnet gets its eye on our beloved appliances. It's angry eyes. Starts picking them up. Because you have a few scenes where they pick, they're picked up and they evade it, but only after when Blanky's looking at the image of the young master, he drops it, which is... Oh no! Sure, but yes. That... In in the interim, TV has been concocting some advertisements for <laughs> this dump, where as a place of where one might go to buy used, used appliances. appliances. Rob heads on over to buy some some cheap appliances for his dorm, and fortuitously, Blanky drops this picture in time of to the young see Rob. old like well, current master and Chris. And it's super exciting. Right. So, it's the master. super excited. Yeah. yeah. And convinced and shows the other appliances. So then they're not they're not ready anymore to be compacted after the song Worthless. Because they they're down after right. at this point. Uh, kind of a Toy Story three in the yes. incinerator. Yeah, in the climax of that movie. Except less good. Well I mean it's not as great, but you're comparing a movie from what the Mid 2010s to 2010, Toy Story 3. Yeah. Uh, there we go, 2010 to 1987. I mean, it's hard to, I think, compare, oh. but that's okay. But you have a few scenes where they're trying to evade the magnet, meet up with Master, but the Master eventually does find them on the conveyor, mm-hmm. picking them one by one, and eventually has all of them except Toaster, but then. Magnus not happy. Magnus is going to have those appliances, whether Master gets his meatbag body mashed up with them or not. Oh, yeah. And literally in my nose, because... Rob is taking some pretty serious risks to get these uh, appliances back, too. If you notice which one he grabs on the magnet is Kirby, because uh, I'm right. not letting that yeah, vacuum that's cleaner go. crazy good vacuum. I'm risking my life for Kirby. Right. Tell you what you wouldn't care about, though? Blinky. Toaster. Oh, I thought yeah. you said Well, he doesn't know Blanky's such a little asshole. Well, Blanky's not a little asshole. He's just irritating, right? He's like, young. Uh, so, don't leave me. It's okay. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, jeez. Tonight we feast in hell. <laughs> I don't know. It's a movie. <laughs> it's so... <laughs> And so Rob's dropped on the conveyor belt with the old appliances, but he's trapped under like a muffler and some other pieces. He's 
He's not strong enough to move them. Chris can't reach him because they're hot. It's hot. Conveyor's pretty high up. Oh, yeah. So then we get to the point. By the way, Rob's stuck in here. Literally in my notes, I have lawsuit. Like, I'm suing the crap out of Ernie for this. This uh, is a mistake. classic girlfriend that has to explain why her teenage boyfriend died doing some stupid shit. Yeah. yeah. Which he doesn't look like he would do like something stupid to get himself. Oh, he reads his kind of a, a sexy brain kind of, right? He was an indoor kid. Mm-hmm. Toaster then, we then we get to the point why the movie's called The Brave Little Toaster mm-hmm. because Toaster... Noble self-sacrifice. Yeah. Because the Toaster decides to... He has self-reflection and realize the only way... Who am I? Yeah. What am I here for? He sacrifices himself for the master by launching himself into the gears of the crusher. Slowing it down just enough. They for don't the... build toasters like they used to. I tell you what. I I agree because these current day toasters can't. There's no way. Could not hold up to the gears of a car <laughs> compactor. Yeah. Uh, and the teeth of the compactor literally are like right there, about to smash. His oh hand. yeah. Hella lawsuit. Rob does end up collecting the remains of toaster along with the rest of his appliances, and I still think he did it to gloat to Chris because Chris told him he. Why fix the toaster? You get a new one. You don't want to grab your blanket from the dump, though. That thing smells like <laughs> shit, for well, sure. Outside, a storm, caught in a tree, brambles. Swamp. Swamp. Wild animals. A repair... A, a parts store. Parts store is probably okay. Though I don't know what that parts guy wanted with an electric blanket. That Maybe the heating? Probably, like the coils, the elements. Yeah, okay. Uh, city streets. And then, yeah, the dump, but also the dump truck they're in, too. Uh, uh But he does end up fixing toaster. Because mm-hmm. he does that, uh, that scene again where he puts the toast in and snatches it out. And then he tells Chris, see? Toast, see? <laughs> <laughs> but then they're on their way to college at that point in the back of his un- unsafely open trunk. Sure, on their way to lose their virginity together on top of Blanky. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So that's a brave little toaster. The ending differs in the book mm-hmm. because in this one they're happily going away to college with Rob and Chris. Right. But in the book, the scenes of the dump and the apartment are switched. Right. Uh, and so in the book, they go to the dump and then to Rob's apartment with his well, where his family I would assume be. But they come to this realization that their young master is grown up and he no longer needs them. Mm. And so they... You still need a toaster. And still... a vacuum. Well, not anymore, I guess. <laughs> so uh, in the book, then, they... They're, I forget exactly how, but they concoct some sort of ad where they get traded away to an old ballerina mm. in exchange for five black and white kittens. Which I, realize, I remember now in the book that there's a line saying the mistress is super allergic to animals. But mm. we'll just take more antihistamines and just deal with it. Okay. And then the to- the appliances live out their days serving their new mistress. Until Blanky burns down. Accidentally catches, catches a flame <laughs> and burns down the... That's... Well, those 1960s electric blankets were if, known for safety, I right? I wonder if the appliances might be happy if they, in fact, gone into the compactor after having seen the master arrive for them so that they could go to their reward you know knowing that the master remembered them 
instead they're just going to spend five years tops at college until they're once again thrown into the trash knowing that they are no longer wanted by the master luckily it's proven they don't because they're proven proven because you have brave little toaster to the rescue and brave little toaster goes to mars where rob and chris get married have a little baby On mars? no that's a whole nother whole nother story mm. because rob and chris have a baby called the little master oh, right. and the brave little toaster goes sure. to mars so they still have and throughout the movies then they add more people to their crazy family like a rat and a calculator and a supercomputer Sounds dumb. I love it. I love these movies. Mm. Wow. So what do you rate in this movie, Frank? What's your letter score? You know, it's... It's... It's pretty breezy. It's a short movie. It's inoffensive, but nothing about it particularly grabs me. Mm -hmm. It is clearly an inspiration for Toy Story, but it is not funny or clever in the way that Toy Story is. Mm Mm-hmm. I would give it a C plus. Okay. I'd still give it a B plus. I really like this movie. I mm. think it does hold up. Especially the time. Toy Story had a way bigger budget. No kidding. Than this did. And this still did pretty well, I think, for the time. I like I like the music. I know you might not you don't care as much for it, but I really like Toy Story also had the full promotional powers of the Walt Disney Company. Yes. Yeah. Early earlier on into Pixar's the first, yeah, it's the first Pixar. Pixar. Is it the first Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. All right, so see, so huge, very huge. Mm-hmm. New graphic styles, new art styles. Tim Allen <laughs> and Tom Hanks. I would say Tom Hanks too. Yeah, <laughs> probably the big ticket. America's movies. Dad, Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much anymore. So yeah, so that was the Brave Little Toaster. Some great actors. BLT. BLT. Mm. Great actors, actresses, great sure. music. Big fan. Okay. So Well, I think this is the time of the episode where we are going to say goodbye and please subscribe to our podcast. Please rate it well. We don't need any negative ratings yet. And uh, review it and give us some positive reviews. Uh, the negative reviews, just keep it to yourself. Yeah, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Or wait until we have at least one advertiser, (laughs) then I think it's fair game. Okay, we're done. Goodbye.